Fascinating Bitcoin indicators, CZ rulings, DSI, Do Kwon, and Robinhood. Today's episode has a lot you need to know. Good morning. You're listening to the Rise and Crypto podcast by Coin Telegraph with me, Robert Bags, steering you through the crypto cosmos with daily dispatches from the digital frontier. If you want to correct all the hot takes on crypto Twitter, make sure you click that follow button. Okay, grab yourself a coffee. Let's get into it. There really was quite a lot that happened yesterday that you need to know about going into the weekend. So here's the rundown. The 2020 bull market Bitcoin buyers control 16% of the supply and they aren't selling. The US tells CZ he cannot go home to the UAE before sentencing. Will decentralized science be CZ's next project? Montenegro are rumored to be extraditing Do Kwan to the US and Robinhood launches its crypto trading services in Europe. HODL is an acronym that has become a hallmark of crypto. It's not just something people in the space say, like GM. It's an entire philosophy. The diehard Bitcoin maxi may not be indicative of the market sentiment, but the general buyer of Bitcoin seems to have something in common with the maxi, a belief in Bitcoin long term. William Suberg wrote an insightful piece yesterday on Bitcoin hodling and how the evidence supports the mindset. The real name for hodlers is LTHs, long term holders, and Bitcoin has its fair share. The article looks at a chart called HODL waves, which groups the BTC supply by the time elapsed since each coin last moved. This is useful for, as the name implies, seeing if people are hodling. Since the tail end of 2022, where we hope the bottom of the bull market remains, unmoved coins in the past two to three years have nearly doubled. Those who bought Bitcoin between December 2020 and December 2021, the height of the bull market, when everything was going up at a rate of knots, they did not take their profits and now they control 16% of the supply. Philip Swift, the creator of statistics resource Look Into Bitcoin, which hosts hodl waves, wrote on Twitter that Bitcoin one-year hodl wave has hardly budged so far. Long-term Bitcoiners are not selling their coins until we go way higher. Selling is always tricky. At least it is for me. I rarely do it. But I'm not sure when it's harder to sell when the market is moving in the right direction or when it's bombing. From these stats, you could infer that few buyers were interested in taking profits as it soared because there was no end in sight. And then they refused to sell at a loss as we plummeted. Or, and I think this is true for a lot of hodlers, Bitcoin is worth more than the price has ever been. Whatever the case, 16% of the supply being a single group of hodlers is very good for scarcity. There is a new update on the CZ saga, and we finally have a ruling on whether he can return to his family in the United Arab Emirates pending sentencing. No. In recent weeks, we have spoken a lot about the Binance settlement and CZ's guilty plea to money laundering. And as you may recall, the US prosecutors wanted to block CZ from returning home to his family in the UAE prior to sentencing. Prosecutors previously stated that he represents a high risk of flight and non-appearance, despite what looks like an enormous amount of money he would forfeit by doing so. And they said that if this happened, they would not be able to secure his return. This is down to a lack of an extradition agreement between the UAE and the US. You may recall that my hunch was that the US would rule that he stays in the country until the 23rd of February 2024, which is when he is sentenced. However lower risk his non-appearance might be, it's a risk the US won't be wanting to take. Although on paper they would get nearly a quarter of a billion dollars in bonds and CZ's volunteered trust, it wouldn't be a strong look for the US if a case of this magnitude got away from them. Now, I say on paper because Judge Richard Jones flagged that the $175 million bond that CZ put up for his release is comprised of assets beyond the government's reach. 
The Seattle District Court judge made the order yesterday, stating the defendant has enormous wealth and property abroad and no ties to the United States. He then concluded his family resides in the UAE and it appears that he has a favoured status in the UAE. Under these circumstances, the court finds that the defendant has not established by clear and convincing evidence that he is not likely to flee if he returns to the UAE. Based on the foregoing reason, the court grants the government's motion and the defendant shall remain in the continental United States during the period between his plea and sentencing. As this implies though, CZ is allowed to travel within the US and he can have his family visit him. Let's stay with CZ a little longer because there's a question we haven't asked. CZ was forced to resign from Binance and can play no significant role going forward. Although he is looking down the barrel of a custodial sentence, what's next for the crypto billionaire? Robert Knight wrote a fascinating article yesterday on an emerging area of the space that CZ has shown interest in. A few weeks ago, CZ tweeted, Been reading about biotech, thinking about how to use crypto to accelerate research funding there. Keep building. So Robert went down the rabbit hole. Former Binance chief Shan Pen Zhao has a lot of free time in his hands after the US Department of Justice told the CEO to take a rapid, unscheduled holiday for the rest of his life. But what will he do with all that free time? If a recent tweet is anything to go by, the entrepreneur may venture into decentralized science, DSI. Cointelegraph took the opportunity to speak with some leading figures in the sector to find out what DSI is, what it means for science, and to learn what impact CZ could have upon it. One of the leading figures Robert spoke to was Alex Dobrin of VitaDAO. DAOs are one of the key ways blockchain is being used in science currently, and Dobrin's overview is worth hearing as an introduction to this emerging space. Dobrin said, DSI offers a new way for people to participate in funding and supporting projects. Instead of relying on traditional methods like for-profit initial public offerings or charity models, DSI creates a new model. Anyone can contribute both skills and capital while receiving tokens in a more scalable, effective model aligned with humanity since it's decentralized. Dobrin then went on to explain how DSI can enable biotech companies to escape what he calls the valley of death. This valley of death is a gap between scientific discovery and the point at which pharmaceutical companies or VCs will invest. VitaDAO essentially avoids the valley of death with this new funding model. But for me, one of the most compelling arguments for DSI came from Robert's conversation with Tyler Galato, the co-founder of Molecule, which is a decentralized biotech firm. Galato said, biotech and drug development suffer from a problem of misaligned incentives. Patients and researchers who drive most of the value creation are excluded from governance, ownership, upside and consumer choice. It's funny how those areas of exclusion are just so common and blockchain seems to solve them in everything from music to medicine. Galato went on to point out that the majority of the best-selling drugs on the market are completely separated from their academic labs from where they came and the researchers who invented it. It seems like DSI is bringing biotech open source. There are a few more experts who weigh in on this and you should really make sure to check out the article. It's excellent and it's linked in the show notes. But the remaining question is this, what role could CZ play? Although it's obviously unclear what CZ might do in the space, even his interest in it brings more interest, which is valuable. It feels like there's a tremendous opportunity here for someone with non-depletable wealth to make a tremendous difference. In May 2022, crypto suffered a colossal impact courtesy of Terraform Labs. Terra stablecoin, TerraUSD, also known as UST, depegs from the US dollar, which essentially means that the stablecoin was anything but stable. As a result, UST's purpose was void and the price tanked, and so did large swathes of the industry. We saw the likes of Voyager Digital, BlockFi, Celsius, and many more go bankrupt as a result. There was one person who was at the heart of this scandal, 
Do Kwon. However, Kwon was not about to sit around and get charged, with both South Korea and the United States eager to prosecute, and so he was in the wind before he could be arrested by either. In March of this year, Kwon was found in Montenegro after being arrested and sentenced to four months in prison for using falsified travel documents, and South Korea and the US want Kwon when Montenegro is done with him. Yesterday, the Wall Street Journal cited several people familiar with the issue, and it seems that Justice Minister Andre Milovic in Montenegro plans to grant the US official request for extradition. He is also reported to have said that the announcement for this will be made public imminently. The US is waiting with open arms and a rap sheet of eight charges for Kwon, and these include commodities fraud, securities fraud, wire fraud, and conspiracy to defraud and engage market manipulation related to his time at Terra. The US Securities and Exchange Commission, the SEC, also charged Kwon back in February with defrauding investors in crypto schemes. It's a bad time to be Kwon, and it's looking as if SBF could be getting a long-term companion. Robinhood, the trading and brokerage firm, is probably most well known for its success in bringing the purchase of stocks, options and ETFs, and eventually crypto, to the masses. On top of this, it provided it commission-free there are no fees. However, for us on the opposite side of the pond to the US, we have been unable to partake. Well, Robinhood last week launched its stock trading application in my little United Kingdom, but that's just a footnote compared to this week. Robinhood has launched its crypto trading services to customers in the EU. Prashant Jha spoke with Oliver McIntosh, the senior product communications manager at Robinhood, who said, Robinhood's mission is to democratize finance for all, and launching a custodial crypto product for customers in the EU is a significant step forward in that journey. We're currently focused on launching Robinhood Crypto for customers in the European Union. Macintosh also added that Robinhood welcomes the approach that the EU has taken in creating the world's first comprehensive regime for crypto assets via the Market in Crypto Assets Regulation, Mika. I think this bit is particularly significant. Companies are gravitating towards places with a regulatory framework when it comes to crypto. This is why we've seen so many businesses move to the likes of Saudi Arabia and UAE, where crypto businesses are encouraged. The new Robinhood crypto app will continue with the zero trading fees approach, and every month, customers will receive a percentage of their trading volume back in Bitcoin, something that might be worth a look for the big hitters. The reason Robinhood crypto opening to the EU is a positive for crypto should be obvious, but in case it isn't, it allows more people to easily access crypto. With some speculating that Binance might lose its pole position as a crypto exchange, Robinhood might well see this as an opportunity to take the crown. Right, that's your daily debrief done. Consider yourself informed. Thank you for listening to the Rise in Crypto podcast by Cointelegraph. If you're enjoying these daily updates, please make sure you let us know by following, subscribing or leaving a review. Have a great weekend. Let's do this again Monday.